So she did the work, went through the school system, and what she saw, she felt, was this isn't right. Every child should have the ability to be exposed to a liberal education, not in a political sense, uh, but in a wide variety of beauty, wonder, depth, richness, all those things. And so her mission was to train teachers, train, train governesses, train parents to be able to facilitate an atmosphere where their children could do that, whether you had money or not. And, and that's amazing and still very applicable today. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Through the work of 19th century education pioneer, Charlotte Mason, parents today can discover a liberating, counter-cultural philosophy of childhood, learning, and motherhood. Whether a child is in traditional school, homeschooled, or somewhere in between, my guest today, Leah Bowden, author of the new book, Modern Miss Mason, offers timeless wisdom on holistic learning, fostering curiosity, and trusting parental intuition. Leah has experienced firsthand how ideas from Mason can transform childhood learning today, and she is here to share her experience with you. For those of you that are new around here, I release bonus episodes with unique topics and guests that may not interest my wider audience. So if this episode doesn't fit what you're looking for, join me back here next Tuesday for a conversation that you don't want to miss or check out the other episode that dropped this week, episode 266, Declutter Your Bedroom and Reclaim Tranquility for Better Sleep. I'll be sure to link the episode in the show notes. And without further ado, let's get into the conversation with Leah Bowden. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Good. We share a last name. I know. I just, I said to my husband, as he was leaving for work this morning, because I'm speaking to a, another Bowden today, Diane, and he said, tell her that I have an auntie called Diane as well. So there we go. That was his <laughs> message to you. We have a Diane Bowden in our family. So, <laughs> oh, I love it. No, the only other Bowden that I'm familiar of is the Bowden Clothing Company that I believe. Yeah, is that's right. Yeah. yeah. There are many of us here. So, yeah. <laughs> no, the other Bowdens we know have got. Um, it's it's pronounced Bowdoin, but it's spelt with a W, um, yeah. and they're all in the States. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Well, nice yes. to meet you. Thank you for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. It's great to be with you. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm excited to talk about Charlotte Mason. Your book is called Modern Miss Mason. And I like to take away some of her principles or concepts and apply them to a more modern yeah. thing because we're living in the modern world. So I was excited to see that you wrote this book and I had to have you on the show. So before we get into our conversation, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to the listeners, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Sure. So I'm Leah. I'm married to Dave. We've been married for uh, tw nearly 23 years. And we have four children ranging from the age of 20 down to 12, two boys, two girls, uh, three left at home. And um, I've been home educating for nearly as long as I've been a mother. Um, and 
as soon as I started to research and investigate home education, I came across Charlotte Mason and fell hook, line and sinker. So have been a long time student of her work and researcher of deep into the to the archives of her work, as well as a practitioner. Um, so my background, uh, my husband and I both have had a long history in um youth and children's work. He works in the school system in the UK. And uh, before starting homeschooling, I was working with children who were on the verge of being excluded from school. So I was working with kids who were struggling with the education system. So I had a great insight into, um, you know, the classroom and children really in all their kind of varying struggles and backgrounds. Um, but yeah, very passionate about just, um supporting um home educators all over the world and also continuing the journey myself absolutely and what i think i want listeners to take away from this episode because i know not everyone that is listening along is a homeschooling parent but i also want them to find the richness in a charlotte mason approach that we can yeah. apply to parenting because i think a main job as parents is to teach and is to lead and help guide. And so even if we're not doing that on the day-to-day, if we're sending our kids to a schoolhouse, schoolhouse, <laughs> to a school building, <laughs> I'm like, do we still have schoolhouses? I'm um, sure there are. Even if we are sending them out, we are still applying those principles at home or we can. So yeah. before we get into the modernization of Charlotte Mason and your approach, can you describe what Charlotte Mason education is? Yeah, I mean, she was a person. Obviously, it's all based on. Um, it's interesting because she is has been. It was recorded that she said to a very close friend of hers, "I don't want my name to be remembered. I want the work to be remembered." Well, unfortunately, she didn't. You know, she got both. Um, and it's hard to even though the work of the PNEU, which eventually became the Parents National Educational Union, um, really the name Charlotte Mason is what has lingered around the ideas of her educational theory and philosophy. So she was a, a revolutionary um, a British educator at the turn of the 20th century. Uh, she was speaking into a Victorian time in society where children were seen and not heard, where there was a huge class divide um, with regards to many things, but especially education. So if you were wealthy and if you had the resources, then you had a governess and you went on to do higher education and you had all the exposure to beauty and wonder um, through, through you know, whatever that looks like. And then you had the kind of other polar opposite, really, of, of the British culture where you've got kids they were made if they got to school, they were maybe taught the basics, but the expectation of them was to go into the family trade, going to factories, going to, you know, whatever it was. And Charlotte Mason worked her way through from a, being a teenager herself through the education system, learning. She was an apprentice by the time she was 12 and a teacher. So she did the work, went through the school system, and what she saw, she felt was this isn't right. Every child should have the ability to be exposed to a liberal education, not in a political sense, uh, but in a wide variety of beauty, wonder, depth, richness, all those things. And so her mission was to train teachers, train, train governesses, train parents to be able to facilitate an atmosphere 
where their children could do that, whether you had money or not. And, and that's amazing and still very applicable today. And it really wasn't until at the end of her life that she began to see that really making a difference in the more um, sort of the, the more poorer parts of society um, here in the UK. And it was just a delight to her. So at the beginning of volume six of one of her books, she says, um, this is where she comes up with this phrase, which a lot of people, if they're listening and they know the Charlotte Mason philosophy, and she says, maybe, in fact, Diane, I've got it, I've got it behind me on a plaque. I know oh. you can see me on this. I'm going to read it to you. Mm -hmm. It says here, it may be that the souls of all children are waiting for the call of knowledge to awaken them to delightful living. Mm -hmm. And that was just, that was right at the end of her life. She, after decades of work, she was like, maybe all children are capable of just being alive to, to knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that goes for kids, you know, children in the school system, in homes, whatever that looks like. So really, it was pretty revolutionary. And she was a mover and shaker in a time when women's voices were only just beginning to be recognized and heard. Mm. So over the years, how old is your oldest child? 20. 20. Okay. So I'm sure that there was an evolution of applying that philosophy throughout the years. So I want to talk a little bit about applying a Charlotte Mason approach to the younger children and then how that evolves over time with teenagers if we choose to homeschool or just applying those practices in our day-to-day -day life, what it looks like for older children as well. So what did your evolution look like there? Yeah, I mean the principle. So, so Charlotte Mason has there's there's so much you can read, and when I started, there it was. You know, this will age me a little bit, but you know, it was before Instagram and Facebook was just getting going, and everything was on blogs. And and interestingly, everything I discovered was American. So my mission was to find British like-minded kindred spirits. So that took a while. So I really had these, and again, I know we're on video here, but I'm pointing at these little pink books behind me. They were my original uh, Charlotte Mason volumes that were my mother-in-law bought me. Mm. And I very slowly read these books. And then rather than just kind of reading a book like you normally would and then getting on, I would read parts of it and then think, okay, how can I implement this? What does this look like? So she has 20 principles, but really... There are two or three. There are there are only a, there are a handful, and she says this herself that really matter. And the first one is how we view children. She says children are born persons, so they are capable of connecting with the world. You know, as soon as they come into it, they're not they're not buckets to be filled. They are they come, and we get to um, create an atmosphere and resources that draw out who they are and that is that was so important right at the beginning of my journey and the second one that is this idea of everything connecting that the more you expose them to brilliant um well just the, the beauty of nature brilliant books art all that kind of stuff they begin to form connections themselves and these ideas were the ones that I began on and I was like okay so what does this look like so from the early years right through to the teen years, you really are exposing them to similar things. So you've got great literature, poetry, music, art. Um, but what happens is you start with this, uh, she talks about a feast of education. So you almost start with this kind of a bento box or a little charcuterie board, and then it expands in this into this incredible feast. And so what you're doing is you start with some poetry that might be 
you know, Christina Rossetti about a bee. And then as you go over the years, the next thing you're doing is, you, you know, you're, you're expanding and reading poetry that is um, more in depth or may, just needs more time and more thoughts. So it's not so much as in a lot of people will say, well, how does it look in the high school years? I would just say it gets deeper, richer and longer. So you're not you you're not changing the methods. You're not changing how you approach the pedagogy or philosophy. You're just going a little bit deeper. Lessons are a bit longer, and every, and the application is that's what begins to change. So you go from things like oral narrations through to written narrations, which then turn into compositions and essays. So you can see that natural progress of, of things that you, you're going through. You know, you might start with nature study as a foundation of science, and you, then you start to introduce some science experiments. And by the time they're in their teens, they're reporting, they're doing hypotheses, they're writing up. And it is just, for me, seeing the whole, um, you know, going through this with four children, right through from the beginning seeing it kind of this 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 evolve it actually felt very natural um i know often people will jump into this with their kids in the teens and go like where do i start and i have to really um navigate those answers quite well because all i know is that my children only know narration they 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 don't know how you know they, they know we read and then they talk about it afterwards. Like that's that's what they're raised on. So really, yeah, that's kind of the 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 evolution of it is that it gets richer, deeper, and longer, and the application looks a little bit different. But the principles stay the same. The methods are all there for the taking, mm -hmm. and um, it just gets more and more beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a really rich and beautiful education. Yeah, absolutely. So would you describe what a Mason style homeschooling day might look like? Maybe what did it look like for you? Because I look at my own days and I think with the three-year-old now that he, I don't know, three is hard. <laughs> it's been harder yeah. for him than any of the ages, but having him running about makes it a little bit more difficult. So we may some days homeschool at 9am. We may do it at 11, yeah. we may do it in two. So yeah. what a typical day though? And I and I love that. I would roll with what you're saying there because I think it it does look. I mean, I get get this question quite a lot. Give me a typical day, yeah. and um, there are definite rhythms, and I'll tell you them in our home that have lingered for almost two decades. Okay. But then it also with each season of each stage of childhood, and each time somebody will leave, and somebody you know, and a child gets older and has to do their national exams, so they'll go into a college or something, and mm -hmm. so it adjusts again. And every time there's a little bit of movement, you just learn how to adjust and review. And I'm, I'm always doing that. But the the rhythms that have remained, uh, which really have become part of my life as well, is very beautiful, simple rhythms that you can just slot things in and out of. And the first one is this kind of a, a gathered time in the morning. So whether it's just me and my, in fact, I have one full-time home educator now at home, um, home educated child, one full-timer. So when it's just her and I, we still do this, this idea of, you know, breakfast, I'll have some classical music on just in the background. This morning it was bark while we we're having our breakfast. And we there's this gathered nature of uh, for us as Christians, we read the Bible together. We might you know we pray, then we might read a poem, a fable. Um, there'll be um, 
a read aloud um, um, where, you know, where it, my daughter and I are reading Silas Marna by George Eliot at the moment. So you, that's that time when that will happen. And then the, again, depending on how many kids I've got or what their needs are, we'll then shift into, um, and, and this is after things like brush your teeth and, uh, you know, get some chores and or whatever. We'll then move into more of a, um, an age appropriate kind of lesson thing. So I used to do, uh, while the older ones were doing some independent study things that they can do on their own with minimal help from me, I would work with the younger ones and I'd be doing some, you know, geography read aloud. I'd be doing some maths with them, whatever it is. And then we'd switch it around. So that kind of rhythm has stayed. And then there's always, you know, afternoons, the typical, um charlotte mason afternoon she she encouraged you to kind of be done by lunchtime so that your afternoons could be things for um you know nature study nature walks handicrafts um spending time with other people going to a gallery going you know seeing friends going to groups so that's the rhythm that we've tended to move in um now those times have adjusted you know especially as children get older i've just kind of reshaped that but it it's very, I mean, lots of people will use a timetable approach. Some people use loop schedules and then others just rely on the rhythms of what's going on in the family. And I think all three can be used together. Uh, and I've used everything over the years, depending on what our family has needed. Um, but if you've got some of those, if you've got a, a, a kind of some regularity in there, there's almost a security that comes with that. So if you go through a transition, a new baby's born, you move house, there's a job change in the family, whatever it is, then, you know, often it's like, oh, everything goes out of the window. But actually, even amongst transition, we found that having those gentle rhythms in place, we could just slot in and out of them. And so that, and that is fairly typical of people who I mean lots of people who just generally homeschool have those kind of rhythms but mm -hmm. that's what you'll find often with a Charlotte Mason family mm -hmm. I'm sitting here taking notes as you're talking <laughs> I know that I'm going to go back and edit this episode but I'm like this is so good and I think that that's the thing that sometimes I have doubts actually oftentimes I have doubts am I doing yeah. this right am I messing them up am I not giving them enough opportunity is it I mean all the questions that I think most homeschooling parents have but I think consistency is probably the most important thing but like you said what does consistency look like when the seasons are changing and so how can we keep a rhythm when we're adding these different things for example my son used to take naps now he's not so it's yeah. like we maybe, now that he's not napping in the afternoon, maybe we do do the bulk of our schooling in the morning. And then we're always out in the afternoon, which is yeah. much what we do, but yeah, just a lot to think about here. So considering some of the challenges, how have you overcome some of those? I mean, the challenge of home education is that the boundaries are so blurred between the parenting and the teaching and everything. And now, now, you know, I think that, as you said, Dan, at the beginning, our maybe before we started recording, but our parental responsibility ultimately is, you know, raising and nurturing and, and educating our children, whether we choose to delegate that to a local school system or whether we do that at home, it's still our responsibility. And so whatever happens, there's always going to be this, um, some, if you're at home full time with your children, some days, if a child is sick, if a child is having a really struggling day, if they're struggling with whatever's going on, 
it can, and I'll use the word monopolize in, in you understand that way. I'm not being negative about that, that it can take over a whole day. And so then this, this sense of responsibility for their education is very much that intention. You're, you're feeling this, oh no, <laughs> you know, we've not done school. And that's some of the stuff that you really have to get past and recognize the nurturing and caring for a child having a rough day, needing extra cuddles, needing some more sleep, needing a break. That is all part of the holistic raising of children, educating children. Um, And some of those things are the things that I had to really wrestle with and, and move through is that it's not school. You're not doing school at home. It's this holistic, beautiful picture of being around my children, doing our life together. The offshoot of us being around together is that I facilitate an educational environment for them. I provide resources and experiences them for to, to connect with the world. And sometimes that is great and it's we go with this rhythm and we'll we'll go with the things that I'm, you know, have planned other days. Sometimes it's just like, you know, and I, I remember days where one of my kids was just um, you know, having a rough day. And you could tell from the moment at breakfast time, I thought, yeah, this is this is gonna be a struggle for them today. And so I just think, okay, I'd say to the other children, all right, well, here's some books, here's what you can do today this person needs my attention and that actually is really important and rather than fighting it that you just kind of are just kind to yourself and and the children I didn't always get that right I I just you know obviously not rainbows and like you said and unicorns um but there's a lot that you learn along the way with your children. And so some of that is is difficult at times. And I think getting over that sense of perfectionism and idealism and, um, you know, having, being realistic with your expectations of yourself and your children. Um, I think sometimes I do a lot of coaching and mums are, you know, have this big list of all these things they want to achieve and all these subjects they want to cover because they think that's what it looks like to get it done and to get it right and to to do the job well. And my first words of advice, I like chop it in half, like get rid of half of those things. You don't have to bin them, just shelve them. You can add them back in over the years, but we're not going to do that right now. <laughs> and I think those those things are, you know, what I had to learn. And so now I'm able to help others in that. Um, but a lot of it is to do with your own growth as a woman. You know, you just you're growing and learning all alongside your children. Bless them. And my older ones, the times I've had to apologize to them because they really are the guinea pigs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're doing well. I can report and say that. (laughs) Well, you just gave me a great transition because I did want to talk about modernization. Gosh, I can't say that modernization. There you go. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Of Charlotte Mason. And that's what your book is about. And so you talk a great deal about the life of the mother outside of homeschooling activities. Mm, So why is it so crucial to, I guess, put on our mask. I'm trying to think of metaphors, put on our mask before we put on our kids or fill up our cup. Why is it so crucial? Yeah. And it's not even, I think what I write about and what I teach is I'm not kind of uh, dismissing that, that idea of, you know, do all this so that you can pour out of your children. Really what I'm teaching is this ongoing being an, being a lifelong learner yourself 
and you know this idea of you know we are we're saturated with voices and messages about self-care and me time and it they seem they don't always not everyone teaches it like this but they seem to come out of a place of utter exhaustion and this idea of you deserve this and you know this kind of and I I've never really pertained to that I've never really leaned into that but what I do know is that I do need to care for my inner and outer life and I'm learning this all the time um for my own (laughs) my own intellectual aliveness which is the kind of phrase that I use in the book and my own soul care and so this is why I'm you know Charlotte Mace it comes from an idea from her and she wasn't a mother but she was surrounded by mothers Mm -hmm. and there's this famous quote that she says if mothers could only do for themselves what they do for their children when Mm. these things are overdone we would have happier households so she's kind of saying look at the simplicity of the things that you do for your children you take them outside you show them beautiful art you read books to them you make sure they have naps you make sure they're fed well maybe if you did those things for yourself Um, you know, when when all when these things are done, when mums had that stuff and kiddies have as well, then actually look at the piece of the home and, and how different it feels. And I honestly can say just just recognizing the simplicity of that. So for me, making sure I I I mean, I love literature, I love poetry, I love art. So that is natural for me. So I know some people might be saying, it looks completely different to them and I get it. So some of the advice Charlotte Mason says is like, take a nap without the children. I think, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. uh, we do need to do that. She's go for a go out in nature mm. and that, whether that's, you know, I know we can't always do that depending on the age of our children, but just sitting in the garden and mm. then looking at a tree or listening to the birds or just doing that just for a moment so mm. that, you know, it is a way of paying attention and feeding your soul um she says you know if you can go to an art gallery look at some art and and for me I just put art all around me and Mm -hmm. if I can't get to the gallery I've got it you know I've got postcards and pictures in my office and around Mm -hmm. my home um and she's like she talks about just sitting and reading a book and these things seem really simple although I know your audience will appreciate the minimalistic um Mm -hmm. ideas around that but actually the the older I get Diane the more there's the simplicity of beauty and observation and attention are the things that I believe wholeheartedly lead to longevity. And I think longevity in homeschooling, in our just our appreciation of our lives and contentment, um, because we're just saturated with everybody shouting, you need more, you need this, buy this, buy this curriculum, do this for yourself. And I just don't want to buy into that anymore. Mm -hmm. So if I hear you correctly, you're saying to notice the simple, small things in the everyday that we're already doing with our children, or maybe take a moment to notice and to do, and then we won't reach the point of exhaustion where it needs to be this like escape. And is it going to really fill us up? Yeah. Yeah. I think something as silly as. Um, I'm really into bird watching, right? Yes. I love that. I love watching the birds <laughs> outside. One keeps trying to get into our house and I'm not, I'm oh. not exactly sure why. <laughs> he keeps like tapping on the door. It's really funny. What but type I, of bird I, is doing that? Do you know which one it is? It's a scarecrow. Ah. And I think he doesn't know it's his reflection. In the, yes. So he that's thinks, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool though. Yeah, it's, it's fun to watch <laughs> Poor little it, thing. 
all that to say something is simple for me. I live in Ohio and yep. I can't wait till the mornings are lighter that I can go yes. outside on the back porch and just have that time before my kids wake up and just being outside with a blanket, tea, coffee, it just yep. really sets my day. And it's something small. I, I'm not having to go outside the house and not having to get a sitter to come watch. It's something that I can do for That's myself. Right. That's yeah. right. Yep. And it's those things that I think so many people might be listening. Well, I do that anyway. That's it's natural to them. But actually in the throngs and trenches of young motherhood, it's those things that often get forgotten. And Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, I'll often talk to mothers who are absolutely exhausted and they are. And I'm like, tell me about the rhythms of your life. And, um, you know, and I know there are circumstances that are you can't change and you can't do these things um but i i love that you know that idea of always having something beautiful in our minds in front of us you know whatever that however simple that is and whatever we're walking through it can um help towards those feelings of contentment and just you know moving through the day with joy Absolutely. Well, do you have a final word you want to leave to encourage not just homeschooling parents, but mothers in general, as we are navigating Charlotte Mason principles and or just guiding our children in in their pursuit of knowledge? Two things, the two words that linger with me all the time um, with regards to Charlotte Mason are delight and growth. And she said the sole end of education is growth. So even in the midst of, you know, some people are check they like checking boxes off they like to get things done um but it stresses them out at the same time and I think for that I think just keep asking keep looking at your family observing your children are we growing ask that question are we growing are we growing therefore their education is happening knowledge is growing and then she also said education is for delight and I think I would do that other check you know like ask yourself am I finding this delightful am I finding joy in this and I think that's a really good question if you are at the end of yourself if you are if you are bored if you are consistently bored if you are frustrated then I would take a step back and really look at what what are you doing and I think those two if you can maybe find a way of being able to say yep we're growing and yes I'm finding delight we're all finding delight in this then you're on you're on a good path That's great advice. All right. Well, Leah, as we wrap this conversation up, I asked two questions to every guest before we get there though, can you tell listeners where they can find you online or grab a copy of your book? Yeah, sure. I mean, just type modern Miss Mason into any search engine and whatever comes up will probably be me. So Instagram, Facebook, and my website, modernmissmason.com or leahbowden.com all leads to everything there. Um, The book should be available everywhere that books can be sold, especially in North America. Um, Bit more of a struggle here in the the UK and across Europe, but um, all the usual big online stores do stock it. So yeah, go grab a copy of Modern Miss Mason. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. 
Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.